Well, hello, it's the friends in your ears who talk about beers. Yes, it's the cool room. It's uh, right now, Saturday afternoon, not Thursday night. And Travis Bristos and I are just doing a quick little introduction to explain why what was going to be one episode has become two episodes, Travis. Yes, yes, we are splitting things up. I don't uh, think we've done the split up thing for a while now, so... We haven't, but we had an excellent night the other night discussing the Furious Five from Carwin Sellers. So if somehow you haven't listened to the previous episode to this, where we're discussing with the Bens from Carwin Sellers and the guys from Forward Hops, uh, Peter and Dave, uh, most of the Furious Five, go back and give that one a listen. And then Travis, we were really lucky with the amount of time that Mark from Adroit Theory spent with us the other night. Yes. Yes. So this second episode is uh, is going to be chatting with Mark, um, and it's going to be it's it's a fun chat. We had a really good time uh, talking through what was an awesome beer. He was so generous with uh, with his time, given that it was five thirty in the morning, and he was sitting huddled under a blanket or something on those lines, enjoying the beer with us. Yeah, that's exactly right. That was a man who definitely took one for the team. And I think for a first for us, we are going to base an entire episode on one single beer. I hadn't actually thought about that fact, but I think yeah. you're absolutely right. But if there was ever a beer that deserved to um, have an episode to itself, uh, the Detroit Theory that was uh, in the Furious Five Pack would probably be the example uh, of that kind of beer. It was truly amazing. And hopefully a few of the people listening have got the pack or are getting the pack. I think there's still some available as we talk on Saturday afternoon. So um, definitely grab that pack because uh, you'll definitely have a hangover after this beer. Yes, it was one of those uh, mornings where you wake up and check that all your glassware is intact. And um, yes, and, and, uh, and then we followed it up on that Thursday night with Golden Hills. So the return of Steve from Golden Hills and that episode won't be too far away either. So we're uh, doing our very best to keep you entertained with podcasts during Melbourne lockdown with a whole heap of great events uh jump onto our facebook and check out all of those events there's um just so many coming up that i'd be here for half an hour if i ran all through them all yes very true lots of things coming up uh but uh definitely check out the socials so david we shall get to chatting to mark Just been joined by Mark Osborne, Osborne, I should say, uh, who's here to talk about the gin. Yeah. Welcome, Mark, mate. It's fantastic. I don't. Is it? What time is it over there? Five thirty in the morning. It's five thirty. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, we are genuinely hugely appreciative of the fact that you've come on. So, um, hopefully, you can deal with the fact. Like, I don't like turning up to a party two hours after it started, and people have had a couple of moderately strength beers. Um, you're walking into a Zoom room where people have been together for a few hours now drinking silly strength beers, but um, we're so pumped to have you on. I appreciate the invite and uh, no worries. I debated if I should just, you know, party all night and just come <laughs> straight on. thought that might be a terrible yep. slash awesome idea. I don't know. Yep. We'll see. I thought I would have thought that would have been awesome. Maybe Pete would have been jumping all over that. Love that. <laughs> yeah, I might not be as... Uh, 
as uh, as cognitive, I suppose. I'm just tired, <laughs> but at least I'm not slurring my words, at least yet. Well, we just had uh, we just had Dave drink a beer out of a shoe, so you can you can pretty much guarantee that tired versus drinking beer out of a shoe might be uh, two different ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Well, let's see. I have glassware here. How about a uh, how about a golden owl? <gasps> oh. That's your boot, David. That is that yeah. is the that, that's the winner. I like that. <laughs> that's fantastic, David. Should we crack open this beer and and kick on? Do you want to? I, I think it's time to crack it open. Well, here we are with beer number three from the Carwin Cellars Forward Hops. Furious Five, um, and this is pretty incredible for an Australian podcast. We're joined live from the US of A at, I think, 5.30 in the morning by Mark. I'm going to say Osborne, but how would you say it, Mark? Well, of course, you know, like Ozzy, it's Osborne. That's the, exactly the spirit that I was hoping for. Um, you remind me of when I get up in the middle of the night in Australia to watch US sport and so forth. Uh, you're in your kitchen talking softly and having a quiet beer so as not to disturb the rest of the family. Um, yes. Mate, it's, uh, we're honoured and so appreciative that you've got up at silly o'clock, as we would say in Australia, to, um, to talk us through the amazing beer that we have out of this pack, the gin. So um, yeah, cool. just, just welcome. And um, I know, well, the guys from Forward Hops are saying they've never actually seen your smiling face before on a, on a, on a meeting. So Yeah, now I uh, have to uh, say hello. To all my Australian friends and uh, appreciate the uh, business and appreciate the support. I know it's logistically challenging to get, you know, not just our beer, but I, I would assume anybody's beer into the country in a, you know, a reasonable amount of time. And I'm sure that's quite a bit of work. So logistically challenging it. could be the uh, subtitle of this whole, well, the whole podcast, to be honest, but this episode in particular, um, Ben Cohen, do you want to say good day as well and, you know, introduce yourself? How are you going? Thanks. Firstly, thanks for sending the beers. We've had them since I first came through Ford Hops and they've always just, you know, when people drink them and they hit these sort of beers that come out from you guys, I do feel their soul leaves them slightly. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, thank you for sending the beers. They've been great. And they've cool. all come out in really nice condition, so which is which is tough at the moment. Uh, yeah, I know it's uh, it's a little bit a little bit challenging, but you know, a beer like this and, and some of our other big big beers, you know, obviously do hold yeah. up pretty nicely. And uh, but you know, the way I look at it is, I mean, you can sell your beers all you want, but uh, you know, today's 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 a good day as any to drink it. Might as well crack into it. Exactly. Yep. Um, well, I like uh, that style. Earlier on in the podcast, someone said. Um, you know, we've got a, a big Russian imperial, as though there was such a thing as a small Russian imperial. Uh, there's no, this is just such a big bomb of flavour. Um, most of us have had it out of the fridge for an hour or two now just to let it get ready for tasting. But how do people normally experience the beer when they first taste it? What flavours should they be getting? And um, can you give us a little bit of insight as to how that might change? What flavours might emerge as it sits in the glass and we have a chat over the next half hour. 
Sure. I mean, I thank you, uh, you know, for uh, letting your beer warm up so many, uh, you know, people in general and Americans in particular, they, they, they're impatient. So the second it comes out of the fridge, you know, they're cracking it down the hatch. So we're um, impatient too. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Well, cold as I'm sure you guys all know, mutes, you know, mutes flavors and, and actually can sometimes make particularly the, uh, you know, the roasty um, notes in a beer like this, uh, you know, somewhat, you know, unpleasant so always best to get it up to temp i think we recommend 60 to 64 as i recall but um is that the hang on 60 to 64 was that a good year to be drinking it or is that an american <laughs> fahrenheit kind of thing uh, that's right that's right so yes fahrenheit um i have no idea what that translates no to. i knew that i am but, <laughs> but you know you know not not room temperature but not cold um uh, because you know you oh, want it to be expressive. the magic fifteen degrees that the uh, guys from Perth have been talking I can about. Chi- I can chime in here because for some reason it's this weird skill that I have. It's about seventeen point five degrees Celsius. I'll take fifteen off the cuff as a pretty decent effort. Anyway, anyway, so anywhere fifteen to seventeen and a half. You know, we're we're, we're not that picky, but uh, it's a very uh, aromatic <laughs> aromatic beer. Um, one of those beers that it gets in the glass and you walk away and you come back into the room and you're like, Oh, wow. Um, smell those macadamia nuts, you know, smell mm. that coconut. Um, Cause it comes alive uh, as, as it decants. So, um, but you know, it's a, it's a big beer. Um, it's not the biggest beer we make, but it's definitely on up there. Um, we are kind of known for making, you know, double digit, stouts uh, on a regular routine basis so since this was going to be a special beer we decided to crank it to 14 and a half um, but as you'll see uh, it's extremely um, drinkable almost scary drinkable mm. um, how quaffable it is you know for such a big beer but uh, it is jam-packed jam-packed with what we call adjuncts a lot of people call them you know pastry style stouts but we like just to think of them as you know, flavor enhancements, things that we like, um, but we'll jam pack them in. So this sat on toasted coconut, um, just an absurd, an absurd amount of toasted coconut <laughs> for like 10 days, which is an absurd amount of time. Um, and, and then we transferred it on top of uh, macadamia nuts and then added the bourbon uh, barrel aged, I believe it's maple syrup. Could be mm. honey though. Yeah, it no, tastes maple. Yeah. yeah, yeah, maple, which again is obviously very, very prominent in the, uh, you know, in the beer itself. You know, let me smell it. <laughs> Just as, can I ask, maybe, <laughs> as we taste it, do you, beers are on. Do do you Get my uh, my golden owl here? This is my <laughs> this is my daughter's my daughter's uh, cocktail glass that we make her little faux cocktails and we serve it to her in, in this uh, golden. <laughs> Al, I don't think she'll mind. She's Particularly little, if she never knows. Sleep. Like if you've washed it before the family wakes up in the morning, it's all going to be good, brother. Uh, Mark is sitting here for those listening on the podcast. He is drinking the beer at uh, what is 5.30 a.m. over in the U.S. from a glass shaped like an owl. Um, it is a sight to behold. It really is. Uh, I don't know if your daughter's ever going to get those mocktail flavors of uh, vanilla... <laughs> Coconut, macadamia nuts, ever out of that glass. She might not. This is a very uh, expressive beer. That much is certain. Um, we often know. ask a question to brewers when they're dealing with a beer and the 
the processes are as complex. There's as many things as you just described in there. Do you do a little test run first or do you just trust your hand after making enough beers over the years that you know what 10 days will do on coconut rather than seven? Yeah. Or do you, or do you always just sort of have a little bit of a touch of, I wonder what it's going to taste like when it comes out at the end. Um, more of the latter than the former. Um, I mean, we make a lot of beers uh, and I think that's the one thing about us, you know, relative to other people is that we don't make, uh, you know, like a standard set of beers that we make on a regular and routine basis. We don't have flagships and even beers that we remake, we're oftentimes, you know, reimagining them, revisioning them, changing things up. We're not just saying, Hey, you know, you liked the beer last year, here it is again. And it tastes exactly the same. It's going to be very, very different. So even if we prototyped things by the time we got to making the beer, we'd be changing something around. Um, that said, we make a lot of beers like this, um, not all stouts. Uh, we also do barley wines and wheat wines and all sorts of, uh, you know, other big beers, but, you know, conditioning beers on um, other materials is something that we're very comfortable with. So we wouldn't uh, prototype something like this. The only thing that can get tricky is we're a big, a big fan of real like we like real coconut and we like real macadamia nuts, but there are some flavors that just do not translate well to air quotes real. Yeah. So like the, so like the toasted marshmallow, for instance, is actually an extract. Um, and that can get tricky because one drop too many and all of a sudden all you taste is marshmallow and it's very fake. Um, so trying to dial that in is really a, probably the only complex thing about making a beer like this. And when you say drop, are you literally talking a drop in a I don't know, 500 liter batch or, you know, give, can you give, you know, give us a bit of an idea about how those sort yeah. of things work? Because we've got so many aspiring brewers here who go, how hard could it be? And then they go and pour a 500 mils of something into a, their best beer ever. Yeah. No, it, it can ruin a beer faster than you can blink. I was going to look up. So this is, <laughs> This is a uh, this is a two two uh, two barrel no excuse me four barrel it's a four barrel batch so 124 gallons um, maybe Travis will work this out it's in the fa- that's in Fahrenheit Travis <laughs> <laughs> 118 liters a barrel so 500 liters. Yeah, that sounds sure. about right. That yeah. sounds about right. Um, so a very small batch. Like I said, we made it just for you guys, um, which uh, infuriated. It infuriated uh, like the locals. <laughs> you know, they were not like, "What do you mean I can't buy this beer? Really? I have to go to Australia to buy this beer? What are you talking about?" So build a wall. So we fat. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's a very very small batch. Um, there are four ounces in that batch of extract so it's uh you know that is a very very small you know percentage and heaven forbid you know uh you know you had it in a big jug and you know (laughs) pouring it in and you you need to you know we we use beakers to measure that kind of stuff out yeah we we made a beer for one of our projects ben and i years ago now and it had chili extract that we'd made Mm-hmm. And it was 1.5 mils per liter. At two mils a liter, it was undrinkable. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So we pro- we we ma- had made the beer and we steeped 
dried chilies, and then we were doing the, the extract at the end, which was chili soaked in rye whiskey. And we thought we should probably test this first. Thank God we did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you, no, no kidding around. Peppers are the hardest thing to add to a beer because they're such a, a wild card unless you're using, you know, an extract. Um, you know, every, every pepper is different, uh, even of the same varietal and, and you handle and treat them the same, but you know, you got that one nuclear pepper sitting in there and, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. next thing you know, uh, it's undrinkable. Although there are people that'll love it and then they'll complain that it's not hot enough. You're like, oh, come on, bro. Come on. Well, there's, there's, everyone. there's a couple of those people in the Zoom room tonight. In a couple of weeks. Um, um, absolutely. It was my good friend, Count Jim Fries Moriarty, who's on the podcast with me and I make a Carolina Reaper chocolate stout from time to time. And um, you never know quite what you're going to get out of the, uh, the barrel at the end of the day. Yep. I say barrel as if we use barrels, but that's not entirely the case. Um, Mark, can you? we've heard a few little stories, but can you tell us a little bit about before Adroit Theory came along? how you found yourself in the world of beer, you know, was this your lifelong dream or, you know, did you grow up wanting to be an astronaut kind of thing? Uh, not an astronaut, um, you know, but not, a, not uh, somebody in the beer industry. I mean, I, you know, I loved beer and my evolution of beer drinking was probably very similar to everybody's. Like, you know, when you're young, you, you, uh, you drink cheap, inexpensive stuff. You know what's the best bang for your buck uh, in terms of getting the job done? Um, uh, but for me, but for me, it was like you drink in Australia. <laughs> well, I, uh, I I know I know what's going on. So, um, but for me, I I went and I went to school on one of those you know study abroad type deals in England and got a taste for you know cask ale, um, you know what would be considered imports you know back home, but like just the local beer. And I traveled through Europe, and I really you know, got the, got the taste and the excitement for that type of beer. And then you, when you get back home, you know, it's just a progression of, of drinking of, you know, stuff that are starter beers or, you know, what I'd call a gateway beer, um, you know, things that were very cutting edge in, you know, the late eighties and early nineties, uh, like Sierra Nevada, for instance, but you know, that are a little almost passe at this point, but were those beers that you just, you're like, Oh my God, that, you know, it's so flavorful. It's so bitter. It's so aromatic, you know, and, and the more you drink, the more you want something even more exciting. And so, you know, I became one of those people that my wife and I, we traveled around and, you know, toured breweries, visited breweries, went on brewery cruises, everything we did, you know, hobby wise was beer related. But again, I, I was not a home brewer. I had never worked at a brewery, uh, never done anything. Um, but, you know, I loved it. And I was coming up on 40. I was 38 at the time. Uh, and I decided that I wanted to do something different, uh, you know, work-wise. And so I told my wife, you know, I think, I think we should start a brewery. And, and she thought it was a great idea. And I knew literally nothing. And, uh, but we decided she we were going to do it. She loves you, mate. She, uh... <laughs> Well, she's actually, it's, she's, she, um, you know, she's a good sport and very encouraging. Um, and, uh, you know, even like last night she was with me, we were out doing these, you know, a, a tasting at a, at a restaurant and she was right there, you know, helping, helping out. Um, matter of fact, um, the way it, it worked out is she ended up starting a distribution company, a wholesale distribution company, um, so that we could distribute our beers, uh, you know, here domestically. And so she runs that and, you know, I run the brewery, but then we 
or, you know, tag team things from time to time. But again, no, no frame of reference in terms of uh, beer. It was just, I wanted to make the type of beers that I wanted to drink and I wanted to do it in my home state of Virginia, um, which is outside of Washington, DC. Uh, you know, when I got the idea, which was 2012, um, you know, there were some breweries in the state, but they were very, um, you know, what I call vanilla type breweries. They just, they, you know, they made their pale ale, they made their IPA, you know, here's my brown ale. And that was pretty much it. It was very much cut and dry. Nobody was making They weren't pushing They weren't making things that maybe didn't make any sense on paper. They were making very tried and true two style beers. So I said, you know what, we're going to, we're going to make, you know, exciting, you know, genre challenging type beers. And so that's what we did day one. And uh, you learn a lot when you don't come from the industry, right? Um, so, you know, it's been an evolutionary process. And if I could go back and tell myself, you know, obviously yeah, there's some things I might do a little differently, but at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, so far so good worked out. Um, that's also often what we ask people because we have listeners from all around the world. Uh, we've had a little word picture of what it's like in Melbourne tonight. We've had a little word picture of what it's like in Perth, Australia. Can you just give us a bit of a picture about what the brewery and the town and everything looks like? Because for so many people, it's just so fascinating to sort of picture where the beer comes from. Uh, well, gosh, I would not disappoint you guys if you do come to visit. Uh, it's, it's very modest. Um, so we're in um, the town of Percival, which is um, technically a suburb of Washington, D.C. It's about 50 miles northwest of the city. Um, so, you know, there's uh, shopping malls and, you know, suburban style houses and, and suburban style people. Um, but it's about as far out as you can get before it starts to transition into a more rural type setting. So, um, you know, where we're located, uh, there's townhouses on, on one side of the town and on the other side of the town are, you know, cow pastures, you know, with cows in them. Um, you know, so it's a little remote. It's not city, city like. Um, we're in a, an industrial they have one industrial area in the town, one street, and that's where all the, you know, the, the businesses are. And that's where we are. We're in a very nondescript, you know, warehouse looking building. Um, but in this little small town of 8,000 people, you know, kind of out in the boonies. That's was not that, disappointing. Um, that's exactly the kind of picture we wanted to hear, to be honest. Was that a location you're always... Was that sort of in your mind when you when you had the idea to start the brewery? Is that where you always imagined you were going to end up? Uh, no, absolutely not. Uh, and and if I could go back and tell myself something, we'd probably do you know do a little market research before you decide that that's where you're <laughs> going to put it. Uh, we are in we're in Percival because it's like five minutes from my house, and I didn't <laughs> want to commute. Um, as seriously was probably the number one deciding factor. Uh, but the second thing was is. <laughs> In, uh, in Virginia, again, the United States has some very um, antiquated you know, laws about alcohol and things of that nature. So um, literally before we started the brewery, if you went to a brewery, you could not buy and drink a beer while you were at the brewery. Like they could sell you or you could taste like four ounces of beer or something absurd. Um, and if you wanted to sell a pint of beer, you had to basically be a restaurant and sell, run a restaurant and then have a you know, a brewery component. Um, but uh, the state uh, begrudgingly agreed to rewrite the laws uh, right in 20, 
2013, uh, June of like 2013, like six months before we opened to basically allow it so that you could run a bar at your, you know, at your brewery, like a tasting room. Um, so that was a, a huge change. And the town that you're in, Percival, uh, basically, as soon as that happened, they rewrote all of their zoning laws in the town so that we could basically put the brewery wherever we wanted. And some of the other uh, municipalities around where we are, which are more densely populated, um, you know, they were still like, no, 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 you can't put a brewery here, you know, it has to be, you know, you know, very, very regulated, and they were definitely not on board. So we're like, you know, the town wants us, they've changed the laws, let's put it in Percival, we don't have to drive very far. And uh, that's what we did. Uh, the only downside is we get like zero walk in traffic, like people drive to come see us, um, which is good. But you know, It'd be as nice long as if they're not were... driving away after it's, it's the getting away that's the trick. <laughs> it's the getting away. I've got to say, having spent the last two days as a local government official dealing with zoning and um, related law issues, um, it's fantastic to be delved into that conversation again, you know, at you know, with this time of the night. So who would have thought? Who would have thought that's fantastic though that it's well, been more. as recent that as that that the laws have changed? Because I always sort of think of the US as sort of being more progressive in terms of some of those things. Oh my God. The rules are, again, they are changing, but it's like watching paint dry that changing, right? Like it just it takes forever. And uh, uh, some of the rules are just literally insane. You know what I mean? Like, like my wife who helped me start the brewery and it does a lot of stuff to, you know, for the brewery, like she could not pour a customer a beer. She could lose her license. You know what I mean? Wow. It has to be completely separate. Uh, yep. You know, we have everything. It's very, very regulated still, but still changing. But I do like the international export aspect of that. That that they're very pro, you know, very pro business when it comes to that. And uh, you know, that's one of the reasons that we could even, you know, send beer to you because it's you know much easy. It's easier for me to send beer to Australia than it is for me to send beer into Washington D.C. Well, that's both your- nuts and fantastic. You're definitely not the only brewer from the U.S. who says that. No. It's, it's, it's real. It's real. Luckily, I also were, you know, a little bit smaller, um, you know, than some of the other breweries that you guys probably bring in. Um, and, you know, the rules are the same, but, like, it's just easier to comply and do things when you're only doing, you know, you know, 40 cases of something, right? It's just a lot easier than doing 4,000 or 40,000. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, obviously, um, with such a challenge you know locally in Percival where you began um where did you find the you know obviously starting uh to change the the styles that were seen where you were from where, where did you find that your target audience was was it locally or did you have to ship across the country to sort of sell your beers and really start to grow or was it um always such a naturally sort of progression from your local sort of beer drinkers that they loved what you were doing, the style challenging um, beers you were producing. Was it, was it sort of um, always, always easy going or did you have to really fight to sell your beers at the beginning? How, how did it all come to be? Well, it's funny. I, uh, um, we've been in the town almost eight years now and we do try to keep a low profile, you know, no, no sense ruffling feathers, uh, you know, uh, but if you just walk down the street and ask some person, you know, hey, are you a beer drinker? Oh, yeah, I love beer. Have you ever had a Drake Dairy? Huh, I've never heard of that. Where are they located? And you'd be like, listen, man, they're literally right there. Huh, are they, are they new? Never heard of them. Um, 
So, you know, when we decided or I decided to, to do the types of beers we like to do and to brand them the way of, you know, like that, that I like things I'm into, like heavy metal, for instance, or, you know, sci-fi or horror or whatever, um, I, I knew that there were people that were going to love that stuff, but I don't think there was going to be very many of them locally, right? Like I knew my audience was going to be, you know, more, uh, you know, shallow, but wide, right? These people, they're everywhere. Uh, in the United States and in the world, but there's not a ton of them like concentrated in just one, you know, local area. Right. So we don't, and, and didn't from day one, spend a lot of time worrying about, you know, Oh, well, do the people within 50 miles, like what we're doing, like, I mean, I prefer if they did. Awesome. And I like, I like it when they, when they show up and spend money, but at the end of the day, I don't really care. I want to make things that people that are into what we're doing, are passionate about and they love it and they will seek it out and they will bring it into the country, into the store, into the bar because, you know, they take one look at it even before they taste it. And they're like, Oh my God, what is this? I have to have this, you know, because it, it jives with their, with their persona and their view of the world. I can completely, uh, you know, uh, agree with your statement in regards to people around the world will love it because a droithery in Australia sells so well just purely on the, the can art alone and the, the time and effort you you actually take into that, you know, just in with the what we said before with the, the pairings down the back and the, just the macabre style, um, you know, the, the heavy metal style thing. That, that That's a huge thing for us, Mark, and uh, we appreciate that. And, um, mate, keep it up. That is that is phenomenal. Whoever like whoever does all your artwork, if it's just the one person, um, or you know, it is what hats off, hats off. Uh, and can I turn so. that into a question, maybe? Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say the same thing, David. Um, uh, I feel like Pete and Dave have picked up the slack from us missing Warren tonight, who is our third host of the podcast, who who couldn't make it tonight. But um, he might come late. It's still only he two might come hours late. In. He might. He, he <laughs> has a tendency of arriving late. Um, but I feel like uh, you guys hit the nail on the head there with the with the labeling. I've been sitting here uh, looking looking at the label, and you guys do you've done something really cool on this beer label that's it's taken me like it's it's really cool. You've you've got food, cheese, cigar, and music listed. And as I'm working my way down, I, I got fixated on music because you chose a Canadian band as your music choice for. Uh... Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Wake, uh, yeah, Wake is fantastic. It's a, it's a great, it's a great band. Um, um, yeah, no, it's. Tell us how this came about. Is this something you do on all your beers, or is? Um, so the pairing, um, well, first of all, thank you. I, you know, we do spend a lot of time and energy on our, you know, can art because that's what, the way we look at it. Not, it's not just a label to comply with the government, right? We're trying to tell a story and paint, a, paint, a, paint an image, right? Um, but yeah, we do food, cheese, and cigar on not every single beer, but, you know, the vast majority of them we do. And then this year we decided to add music, um, which I don't know why we didn't do it from the get-go, but um, that's that's a new component. And it's funny, of, of all the things that we do, that seems to cause the most, maybe not controversy, but you know, like everybody and their brothers chiming in like, oh man, why'd you put Wake's Misery Right album on there, man? You know that's not their best album. I'm like, dude, seriously. <laughs> um, yeah, as, as if all the beer nerds weren't triggered enough already, but oh, yeah. I might already oh, be can. Oh, in yeah. justification, it's, it's not their best 
best album, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, they're legit, legit pairings. I mean, obviously the music is, is to taste and there is a lot of heavy metal uh, pairing that we do, but we also do electronic music, and, you know, alternative music and progressive music. And, you know, we just try to do what, what we're into and what the vibe is at the time, but the food, cheese and cigar pairings are legit. I do them all myself personally. Um, they are legit. So if you, you know, if you're looking for something to do and you want to track down some of these, we do try to pick very obscure, you know, things that are hard to get on purpose. Uh, but, you know, if you can track them down and get them, I mean, they're, they're legit. We stand behind that. How often do you pull out the cigar and sit down with one of the beers and. Uh, I wish I had more time. I, I should hire somebody to smoke all these cigars for me and tell me how wonderful <laughs> it is. Uh, because I, there's not enough time in the day for me to, respond to all my emails, let alone sit out and enjoy a cigar. But I will tell you, we just did an event on Saturday. My wife was very, um, you know, uh, very nice. Let me host a cigar uh, pairing event at the brewery with Alec Bradley cigars. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them, but I, I saw um, the photos of this on Facebook and it looked absolutely awesome. <laughs> it, it was awesome. I mean, you know, we had about 60 people in there and it was actually in the brewery. And everyone's smoking and, you know, and then you, they finished the first cigar and then we wanted the second cigar. And it, it was like a cloud of haze. It looked like, you know, it looked like a Snoop Dogg concert. I mean, it was just this <laughs> haze in the air. And, and it, I mean, I basically had to burn my clothes. Uh, <laughs> that, that's one of the things we could not get away with in Australia. It's oh, dark. really? Dark. Yep. The inside smoking laws are uh, non-existent anymore unless you're, I suppose in a smoking club. Uh, so, yeah. pretty well, the only places that you can smoke in now is the smoking room at casinos. Yeah. Oh wow. And wow. and I know that crowd the, the big casino in Melbourne spent about three million dollars on the air filtration system for it. Yep. So you don't even really uh, smell it, right? Like you yeah. see people smoking and the smoke's just trailing yeah. up into the sky. Yeah. That looks closed at the moment because we're in a lockdown. So well, oh, well there's how there's that. I think your cigar smoke probably kills all sorts of COVID viruses. So I figured we were all right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good excuse to come over and visit, Mark. Hey, hey, David, I think we just got our scoop for the night, yeah, from Mark. Uh, did you hear this? <laughs> cigar smoke kills COVID viruses. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, take that to the bank. <laughs> David, David, would you believe it? The actual um, cigar pairing in the back of this says COVID killer by <laughs> Nine Inch. <laughs> yeah, well. I got to say, I'm. I think I'm going to have to try the food pairing because that was the first thing I read and I went, oh, I don't think I've had this sort of stout with Gil Shoulder. Yeah, Mark, you oh, need yeah. a glass pairing on the can as well. Oh, I know. The whole, the whole <laughs> label could just be one pairing, right? Just one pairing <laughs> after another. Like, you know, wear red socks, not blue socks. And, you, know. <laughs> you get a yeah. pairing pairing. If you're doing two of them, what two things go with the first two? Yeah, there you go. Right, it's just it's like a it's like an infinity loop. Uh, Mark, what are what are some of your your favorite styles of beer to make? I mean, we've we've checked out your your tap list on your website, obviously, and it's it's pretty broad. Fantastic. It, it's and and we're all sitting here in Melbourne at the moment, wishing we could jump on a plane and and head head over there and and check you guys out in person. But what are your what are your favorite styles? What are the ones that stand out? Well, uh, you know, so you obviously have to keep in mind, like, you know, we make a lot of beers. We've been in business now, you know, a little over seven years. We've made over 1,000 distinct beers, right? Um, mm. This is beer number, uh, 
1,000. Well, I'm drinking a newer version of it than you guys are. This is 1,057. I'm not sure what number of ghosts you have. Um, but, oh. you know, we make a... 992, I think. 992. 992. Yeah. 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 So since we've made that beer and we then made this beer, which has been out for a couple of weeks, uh, we made 65 beers, you know, in between those two beers. Um, oh. But to answer your question... So you, sorry, Mark, you rebrewed the beer because it was so goddamn good and people were happy. Pounding you to say, hey, why the hell did Australia get this? Because I do mm -hmm. notice, and I don't know whether everyone's looked at the bottom of the can, but it says, hello, Australia, on our one, <laughs> on our one. So very yeah. nice touch. Yes, this says, uh, Jesus Christ, what does this say? Uh, hmm. Uh, it says decadence. Um, yeah, <laughs> so we did we did rebrew it also because I didn't, I was so foolish. Like we mailed you all the beer, like I didn't even save any. And I was like, oh, shit, I might actually need to be on a Zoom call in three months and have nothing, have <laughs> nothing to drink. In the morning. <laughs> and so I was like, we better, we better fast track remaking this. Um, we did strip out the vanilla in this beer. So this one is slightly different, um, but the artwork's the same. I mean, it's basically the same thing. Uh, but in terms of the beers, I mean, obviously I like beer. Um, my favorite beer we make, we actually have on right now, is a beer called Invisible Art. It's a black IPA. Um, which is, you know, I don't know how it is in Australia, but here is kind of fallen out of fashion. Like it's not a very popular beer style. I, I love it, but it's a, you're absolutely right. There's not much yeah. other end. Mm. Yeah, hard, hard, we can't give it away. Like, you know, we'll do a batch of it. <laughs> <Nice> like, <laughs> it's like, like you people are insane. Like this is so much better than everything else you just bought, but whatever, I'll take your money. Um, we, we turned black IPAs into espresso martinis when we first opened our bar. Oh, yeah, really? So give it away. The, yeah. the last time I made one was to celebrate Metallica coming to Melbourne, but that's another story. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sounds like a great way to celebrate. Oh, come on, David. Tell the story. How did that work out for you, David? Terribly. They checked into rehab for alcohol addiction a couple of weeks before they were supposed to turn up, but I believe I told that story about three minutes before Mark came on the podcast. It's <laughs> pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Well, our, uh, our Black IPA is very nice. It's more on, and on the stout you know, end of the spectrum than, uh, than on the, you know, light porter end of the spectrum. So it's full bodied, you know, uh, roasty, it's jet black, um, but we brewed it with sesame seeds, um, black sesame seeds, of course. And so it has this really nice, um, you know, umami type thing going on. Like people are like, did you add soy sauce to this? We're like, no, there's no soy sauce in this, but you know, it has that kind of, you know, Asian feel and zing to it. Um, and we, we hopped it with uh, Mosaic and Sriracha Ace, which might be the weirdest combination of hops ever. Um, but it's really, really interesting. It so it has, yeah, it has this. Yeah, so it's a really nice beer. I love it. Uh, it gets no love, but I love it. So I'm like, whatever, we'll just keep making it. Um, but, you know, I, uh, I do like... I mean, we obviously make a lot of stouts and, you know, obviously I love stouts. So, um, you know, I never turn one down. Um, but the other thing that we started doing recently um, is we have started making uh, what I call clean or, you know, two style lagers. Um, and, you know, we're obviously not a lager brewery by any stretch of the imagination, but we have started making some Pilsners, um, you know, and more classic style beers. And again, they're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but they're pretty, they're pretty solid. And uh, it's a beer I'm not embarrassed to serve. Like if somebody, you know, 
comes in who's into that um and they've they've held up well so i also am very proud of that side of our business because it's a nice counterpoint to some of the more over-the-top things that we do and it's also a beer you can just drink well maybe not at 5 30 in the morning but you know <laughs> you can drink in the morning and it's not going to completely wreck your day <laughs> when you talk about people coming in i mean how important is that sort of tap room experience to how you interact with you know the punters and the beers that you make do you get new ideas from them I mean, is are those kinds of beers you've just described sort of you know driven by the fact that you've got people coming in who want something easier to start off with um i mean i suppose to a degree i mean for the first three years we were in business we didn't make a beer below seven percent alcohol um you know which is a little crazy right because <laughs> happily crazy yeah percent these people would oh yeah and, and people were mad they'd come in and be like hey you know i'm not trying to get loaded what do you what, what kind of what do you have that's easy drinking light you know do you have anything session we're like nope so you know um that and it was like 100 110 men um you know because you know it just was um there were negative women it was it was crazy uh how few women <laughs> I'm not, we're not in there. favor of that, but I understand the environment you're talking about. Oh, yes. yeah. So so we made a conscious decision in 2017 to expand our portfolio. Um, so we started making a lot of fruited beers, kind of like the Dream Series. I know you were talking to those guys. Um, but, you know, things in that vein, which, again, appeal to a very wide base of people. Um, and we did, you know, dial some things in so that we actually have some, you know, 5 and 6% beers that you could just drink during the day but like <laughs> lagers like the first lager we brewed was in uh the end of 2019 i mean so i mean you know like yeah we were already in business for five years before we ever brewed you know a pilsner or um you know a lager or, you know some you know clean and simple beer like we brewed a colch but i mean that's technically an ale but um you know it, it, it was a late a late addition you know it was uh um and at this point now we're brewing them pretty regularly. So like we have a Hellas on right now, we have a Kolsch, we have a Mexican style lager and a Pilsner all on, you know, today, which again, two years ago, like people would walk in and be like, what the, what's happening? You know, <laughs> it is so, so strange, but now it's very nice. Cause now you can actually have a beer. And what a lot of people do is they come in, they want to try, you know, 20 beers and they're going to be annihilated. So they'll order a pint of Pilsner and just sit there and then order you know, 10 or 15 tasters, right? And just sample through them while they're drinking the Pilsner. So that works out pretty nice. It's good to have a cleanser. Um, we're we're going to move on in a moment to um, to questions from people in the Zoom room. And it's a great reminder for everyone who's joining us on perhaps the podcast version for the first time, that most of these things are recorded live and it's a great opportunity to be uh, in the Zoom room with us. So find the Cool Room podcast on Instagram and Facebook so that you know when we're going to be doing these events. And um, you can be one of the people who's asking the questions as Muggs is going to do in a minute. We've got two spots for people in the Zoom room uh, who want to ask a question. Just type them in so that we know that you've got one. But um, Mark, I'm going to ask this question to you, but perhaps uh, our good friends from Forward Hops should be the ones to answer. Um, how many of your beers are available in Australia at the moment? And where would we find them all around this magnificent wide brown land? You're right. I think we probably are the ones to jump in there, Mark. Um, and I would say that approximately 387 different beers have come into the country. 
Yeah, um, <laughs> honestly, it, no. is, it is hard to keep track of all the beers that you are producing over there, Mark. And um, we we're we're fans, obviously. But uh, it's as Dave touched on a little bit earlier. It, it varies a lot, um, just about how many beers are coming into the country. Obviously, we are very we we do get a limited quantity of some of the very limited beers that Mark produces. Um, those beers we try and allocate across the country to select venues that um, uh, obviously get their pre-orders in uh, first and foremost. And then, um, but we are touching on on every state now, um, so you should be able to see all the all the beers all the way across Australia. And yeah, keep a look, keep an eye out at your local beer enthusiast um, establishment. Twelve really hard for me to say after. These these big beers. I don't know how you're going to brekkie beers, Mark. But. We we go and grab pretty much all the all the stout variants. Um, IPA is coming from America, a bit of a challenge at the moment. But the ones that we've had from Adroit have held up pretty well. Um, so obviously you've got pretty pretty good packaging technology, mate. 12, uh, 12 individual um, different beers arrived on. Uh, the last shipment that uh, has been out for about two weeks now, or close to, um, take away the gin because that's a uh, beer box only uh, beer, Exclusive. basically, the one that we're talking about. So take away that. Take away potentially um, the, the all that I've learned um, because, wow, we, that must have been a small yield. Um, we got... We got five cases of each, so one base, one um, oh, sorry, five five base, five five uh, barrel aged, and um, there there were only uh, boxes or cases of twelve. So um, I t- I drank one on the weekend. Wow, we the, uh, the the barrel aged version. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know how you hide that uh, that alcohol volume so well, Mark. But uh, honestly, mate. Keep doing what you're doing because um, that was that was a phenomenal beer to, to drink at any at any temperature at any at any time of the day. It was it was unbelievable. So, um, but yeah, in regards to a joint theory across Australia, we do try our best to um, get some of everything in each state. That's our that's our go to thing. Um, but look. Uh, Again, what Mark was was touching on is some of the the very limited, very small versions of uh, of beers. We we just can't get our hands on enough. So uh, bear with us, bear with Mark. Uh, he's he's in a town of eight thousand, so he's 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 got to see he's got to see uh, the the you know the the need arise to expand his operations. The um the all that I've learned uh, was available at our good friends at Hopheads here in yes. Melbourne. Um, yes. It sold out in record time, so much so that their number one customer, being me, missed out on it. <laughs> Travis, no, that's not good, mate. That's not. Good. I just just wasn't quick enough. Yeah, well, that's why we should done. spend more time with the good people of uh, of Carwin, and um. Yeah. In a moment, I'm I'm going to sort of sign off from the formal bit of proceedings. In a moment, I'm going to introduce Mugs to ask his audience question. 
But I'm going to make the point just to uh, to say again for everyone who's tuning in sort of late in the podcast, I don't know how you do that, but if you've done that, that's magnificent. <laughs> um, please like The Cool Room. Please like Forward Hops. Please like Carwin Sellers. Please like Adroit Theory on all of the socials that you can find. And uh, if you're in Melbourne, uh, Victoria, Australia, jump on board and be part of many more of our live tastings that we're having to do during lockdown. Um, I'm truly honoured to be amongst, you know, some fantastic brewers from all around the world, all around this country. It's it's a magnificent experience for me. And um, Muggs, do you want to ask your question? And then, Travis, I'm going to let you ride the horse home. Yeah, thanks, David. Um, and, and thanks for coming on the show, Mark. Um, yeah, I've been blown away by the beers I've, I've tried of yours. And obviously the one thing that it stood out to me and a lot of other people I know that tried your beers is the, the, the food pairing and the cigar pairing. I'm, I'm just wondering more about how that actually comes about because especially this one, it's, it's such a very descriptive, esoteric sort of food pairing and cheese pairing and everything's very you know almost very niche like is it something that happens over time or is it just spur of the moment and you're like oh wow do that and that goes well with it um well uh, first of all thank you thank you for having us on the show and um i spend probably too much time thinking about you know other things other than the beer itself, like food and like cheese, the cigar part's easy because I love cigars. And, you know, if I have, if I have an hour and it's a bright sunny day, uh, I will, I will find a reason to smoke one, but um, the food and cheese, you know, is something where, you know, we really want to, to elevate, you know, our beer, you know, I mean, it's, it's a complex beer. And again, not all of them, like we also, I should tell you, like, if you, at our Mexican lager, which is basically the simplest beer we make. The, the food pairing is like a Dorito taco. Like, I mean, we try to, you know, keep it simple. Like it's a simple beer, keep the food and cheese pairing you know, as simple as possible. Uh, but, you know, the more complex the beer, we do try to, uh, you know, make legit things. I'm a foodie at heart. I love cooking. Um, I love, you know, flavor combinations and whether it's pairing things that are similar or pairing things that are opposite or pair things that, you know, kind of build on each other. It's, I do think I spend a lot of time thinking about those types of things. Um, I will tell you the more challenging one is the cheese. Um, not because it's hard, but there's a more finite amount of cheese on the planet than any of the other pairings. So, you know, it, it was very challenging the more we've done it. It was very easy at the beginning and now to find a unique cheese that actually works well with what you're doing is very challenging but the food is very easy. Um, the hardest thing also is, is not being, I have to be cognizant of what we just did. So like if I paired a steak, let's say with a, a Belgian quad, you know, last week, and I think a steak's going to pair perfectly with this beer, let's just say, I probably wouldn't do that simply because I just put steak on the pairing last week. So this week it has to be something new. So this week it has to be veal or lamb bison or whatever um so it's not like it's some master plan that i plotted it all out and i know exactly you know how it's going to be it's something we definitely do on the fly but we try to be cognizant of what we just did in the past that's awesome and, and but i love the i love the sound of the 
a um, braised veal shoulder because I've never tried that ever. So I'll have to give that a. I'll have to buy some, get some more of that, and try that one day. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to try and braise some veal shoulder in with the beer, not drink it. Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Yeah, I mean, some of these beers, I mean, there is they really aren't even designed to be drank by themselves, right? They're designed yeah. to go with food and, and, you know, marinating or, you know, cooking with the beer is a great thing. I've had people, you know, make reductions out of some of our like Belgian style beers and use them as syrup on ice cream. And I mean, I mean, it's just the, the sky's the limit in terms of, you know, what you can do. And that's why we, you know, we love beer dinners and, and, you know, pairing type events. Cause it, it really, it makes things better it's not just oh yeah this works with it it's it, like no nah, man like the beer's good the cigar is good but when you smoke the you know cigar while drinking the beer both of them are better than they are by themselves that's always the idea and the goal so. oh sounds absolutely incredible <laughs> I, I might I might sound like a bit of an actor here but um in sort of what in what order would you recommend obviously the pairings are there but um <laughs> you've said you you want to drink the beer while smoking the cigar um, prior to the dinner, I'm presuming, but is the cheese a bit of an entree to the, the whole thing, or is it? Um, you just want to? Am I just chucking it all in my shoe and you know trying to chew through it? <laughs> chucking it all in the L and trying to chew through it. You know, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm... I don't know. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I think um, what beers you've had in sequence is really the bigger factor, right? Because you can wreck your palate you know, on your first beer and then every beer you taste after that is maybe not as good as it, as it really is because your palate is fatigued. Um, so again, I'm not gonna lose any sleep on it, but you know, I mean, we sell these things in a four pack, right? So you have one can by itself, taste it, see how you like it. And then, you know, can number two, I mean, you know, I would do the cheese first, see how you like it. And then can number three with dinner and can number four while you're chilling on your patio, blasting misery rights by wake. Sounds incredible. It does sound incredible. In, in, our, in our language in Australia, that's just over 20 standard drinks. <laughs> <laughs> that's doable. Good afternoon. Oh, what, are we, what have we got here? We got um, uh, 5.4, yeah. So we got 5.4 standard drinks per can. Um, I can see why they don't put standard drinks on the cans in America because that would be <laughs> yeah, well, people you- off, I imagine. You can't uh, you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. Well, hey, <laughs> you are preaching to, preaching to the choir here, Mark. You're in Mark, you are everyone. completely testament to that. What time is it over there? It must be coming on six thirty. Just gone six thirty. Six thirty. The sun is just starting to come up. Amazing. We are we are going to wrap up the recording side of things. Um, as David mentioned, everyone that. Uh, is in the zoom room can sit around and continue to drink and uh mark you're more than welcome to stay and have another beer if you uh want to join in the conversations most people will try the other two beers in the furious five pack um firstly uh thank you to the the bends and the guys from forward hops you guys created this pack and uh, it's it's blown everyone away i'm not sure if you've still got some available but it, those listening to the podcast uh, jump on the Carwin website, and if there are some still available, I would suggest very strongly jumping on it. Yeah, uh, we do. Um, thank, thanks for having us. It's bloody amazing. You guys are just becoming regulars now. We're expecting to see you in a couple of weeks' time for whatever the next pack is. So. Well, 
you guys have got a pretty full schedule. We'll just tune in and, and pipe up. We'll always uh, we'll always squeeze you fellas in. I'm sure. Um, probably Mark, do a Canvent one. That's a great idea. I like that idea. It's it's so close. I kind of forget we're almost at the end of August. Oh, and... Don't remind us. We're, we've got boxes coming out of China, and the, the whole international freight thing is, you know, you can't do Canvent without a box to put it in. So fingers crossed. Um, Mark, thank you very much for joining us. I know you got up really early to uh, to come into the Zoom room and have a chat, which is greatly appreciated. I think everyone tonight has uh, really enjoyed sitting around and listening to to what you've had to say. Um, I know David and I have been, it's, yeah, it's it's blown us away. So greatly appreciated, and thank you very much for for coming on board. This beer is amazing, um, so much so that I'm probably going to log on and buy another pack just to get another one of these. <laughs> can I uh, can I just uh, thank Mark as well uh, from Forward Ops. Uh, we are forever in your debt due to the, the you know the beers you brew and the, the you know the, the just the opportunity that we have to to uh, import the the product and um, this beer being specially you know brewed for here and uh, that much so mm. that uh, people heard about it I guess and um, and wanted to uh, have you brew it again that's just testament to um, the you know the product you're putting out and um, again waking up at 5:30 mate geez I would have I would have uh, yeah it, it's a hard it's a hard press thing to without a, a, a screaming one or two year old that wakes him at five in the morning <laughs> to get up <laughs> to get up <laughs> and do that I absolutely appreciate it and uh, you know it's uh, it's 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 an honor to bring your stuff into Australia and um, look let's do something again let's let's absolutely do something again and blow these uh, blow the the people of Australia away um, and uh, look this this beer is huge, so I appreciate that. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you know you bringing it in and getting it to the places that value it. Um, and what I would say, you know, to your customers is, you know, like requesting it at your local store, right? Is goes a long way. Like retailers want to make their customers happy, and they're going to want to bring in what the customers want to buy. So, you know having the customers pre-order stuff at the, at the retail level can really go a long way into firming up, you know, a legitimate order with us so that we know, you know, how much to package of something and, and get it into the right hands. Yeah. Absolutely. Well said. Yeah. Um, guys, we're going to stop recording. Everyone hang around, have a chat, have a drink. There's still two beers in the pack to try, obviously. Um, Thank you very much to all. I think we're all a bit blown away by tonight. It's been a great evening. Um, Mark, hopefully you have a good day, mate, and don't get uh, to... Uh, sorry, Trav. Sorry, Trav. If I can just jump in quickly before you oh, go for it. things out. I mean, obviously, Dave touched on our appreciation for Mark, and Mark, legend, absolutely appreciate what you do, and uh, this beer in particular, obviously. Um, the Benz at Carwin Cellars, you guys are absolute jets. I mean, this this whole project has been so much fun. We've loved every second of it. Um, and the cool room, thanks for having us on. This has been bloody fantastic. Uh, and everybody that's tuned in tonight and that will be tuning in on the podcast, good on yous. Um, I did promise that I would put 
as trademarks, the gin into my shoe. And you can't do it. I've got. Uh, I know it's not as impressive as the owl that you've got. I know it's not as impressive as the gold now, but you know, I, 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 I am part of it. Hold on a sec. There's not enough in there. No, no. no. <laughs> Uh, and sorry, Mark, I know that this is probably, you know, far too professional for your liking, but um, no. <laughs> Chew pairing. Chew pairing. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the con- the, is that the Vans or the Converse? We've the had, we, this has been a night of cool. first for the cool room. We've had two shoeys, someone from, uh, from Virginia, and probably one of the highest alcohol contents we've ever finished the night on. It's... um. And I've got screenshots of all of it. I've got <laughs> so so do I, David. And, and on, on that note, I'm going to hit stop on the record, um, and we are going to uh, kick around and drink some more beer. Um, like we've already said, this is the longest outro we've probably done for the podcast. Uh, thank you very much to all involved. Um, we'll have this up live and make sure we tag everyone in it uh, so we get everyone's social medias. Uh, once the podcast is live. Uh, enjoy your day, Mark. Enjoy the night, guys. We'll see you all soon. Cheers, legends. Right. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Thank you.